I check. Levels check. Okay. All right. All right. I check. Levels check. Okay. Hey, welcome to the bitterest pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in. My back in the garage. I'm back in the garage. Finally, back in the garage here under the flypath at Los Angeles International Airport. I know it's been, it's, okay, as I'm recording this, as I'm recording this, it is July, I don't know, 23rd, something like that. Yeah. I'm recording this on July 23rd. I think the last time that we re, we spoke was June 3rd. Is that even possible? I should look that up because the, it doesn't just, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right. And yes, it, it, it sounds completely right. Because there's so much that we have not discussed in any detail. That you should see the list of things here that, that I know we haven't discussed, that I'm pretty sure we haven't discussed. I'm feeling disgust. There's so much we haven't discussed. Is that a homonym or a synonym? Homonym, right? I think in, in, in all my years of living on this planet with people throwing homonyms at me, I don't think the disgust thing has actually come up. Except I can hear my lap. You know what I did is, um, can you hear that? I know I taught, we taught, I know, I know. I got to stop talking about the things that I can hear that you can't hear. But I put, I purposely before, the reason I started recording later than even I wanted to is I put my laptop away from the microphone, behind the microphone. But it sounds like, and it's just a laptop, but it sounds like it has a fan in it. Like you'd use, I don't know what, the kind of fan that you'd use to aerate like a meth lab. And that's something else we had to talk about meth. I got to write that down. Meth labs. Hold on. Um, oh, my God. There's just so much to talk about. All right. I'm going to try to ignore the sound. Uh, you know, I'll take it out. You won't be able to hear it. You won't be able to hear the, the, the fan thing, but I can hear it. I'm gonna, I, okay, I have to I have to stop and see if that's my computer. I swear to God, it's driving me crazy. If it's outside, then I can at least shut the garage. That is seriously so loud. It's like Gene is alive again and is using that driveway vacuum cleaner that he had. No, it is. It's the fan on my... Whatever. The fan on my laptop. Should I... My laptop's been slow. Should I just replace the hard drive now before... Everything I own is destroyed because I don't back things up. I should probably do that, right? I should probably get a new hard drive for the laptop. I'm just saying. Okay. A couple things. Let's get into this right away. First of all, uh, how, how have you been? How have you been? I've never, you know, we, we never speak anymore. You don't, right? Your Facebook updates are sporadic. You barely write. When you do, it's only really because I haven't, do you understand? I hope you're well. I hope you're having a good summer. Unless you're living down under, in which case. I mean, is your winter like winter or is your winter really just summer? If you're living in Australia, do you have this thing called winter that's really essentially our summer? And then you have this thing called summer that's essentially like our hell. I, I've never been to Australia. I need to check that out. 
Because I know the seasons are reversed, but is that really just semantics? Or is it really actually colder down there? And by colder, what does that mean? That it's somewhat tolerable? So since we last... Okay, so this is what I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of things. And some of them are, are somewhat... Well, no, none of them are interesting. I almost said some of them were somewhat interesting. I'm trying to think of if I've done anything interesting. I mean, I, I guess. One thing I have done is I, is I finally, you know, I was sitting, I was alone. Oh, I think it was when Hudson was in Washington. Now, my son used to be in eighth grade. And as an eighth grader, he went to Washington, D.C., because that's what eighth graders do. Washington just must be, right, eighth grader Mecca. So while he was in Washington, uh, he wasn't here watching The Daily Show and Colbert at night, which meant I was free to watch whatever I wanted. Now, I love The Daily Show and Colbert, but every once in a while I need to take a break and watch something with a plot. A plot that's written by people, not a plot that's like a plot to overthrow the world. So I finally decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm Dan, you need to. It's been five years you should finally just watch Breaking Bad. Because if you don't hurry up and watch Breaking Bad, someone's going to con you into watching Downton Abbey or Doctor Who, and you just can't. Those are rabbit holes that I don't think you can afford to go down. So, as a compromise, Dan, why don't you just watch Breaking Bad? You know what it's about generally, right? Because for several years, you know, every once in a while, someone will say, in a kind of non-committal way. Hey, blah, 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 uh, 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 Breaking Bad. That's ah, pretty good. You know, it's on whatever channel. It's on AMC or whatever. Remember when AMC used to stand for American Movie Classics? Okay. So it's on AMC and it's called Breaking Bad and it's pretty good. You know, I'm kind of getting, you know, people would always, and I don't know why Americans are so non-committal. Well, you know, it's pretty good. You know, it's pretty good. I like it. It's kind of good. So I watched Breaking Bad. Now, you know what Breaking Bad is. It's a TV show. It's a TV show starring Brian Cranston. And he plays a science teacher who uh, finds out that he has cancer and he thinks he's going to die. And so to raise money for his family, he, uh, yeah, listen. Okay. So he starts cooking meth. It's not, right? What, what man wouldn't start cooking meth for his family? Well, I really can't believe how milk toasty, on the fence, non-committal, all these people had been about Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is fantastic. Breaking Bad is, you know what? Breaking Bad is so good. We should figure out a way to get Brian Cranston an Oscar for Breaking Bad. Now, I know you don't give an Oscar to a TV show. I know that. I'm well aware of how that all works. You get an Emmy for, I'm just saying, we should figure out a way to give him an Oscar for Breaking Bad. Okay, I think that's what we should do. I don't know what they're doing on Downton Abbey. Don't really care about Mad Men and your kind of mid-century uh, fashion porn. I don't know. I don't know. I just know Brian Cranston, Oscar. So if you've never watched Breaking Bad, this is my official. You've, you really need to knock it off. And it's also my official. I'm a little upset with you for honestly not being a little more... Uh, aggressive with me, frankly, and, and with Breaking Bad. I'm real. I'm kind of pissed at you, honestly. 
This is sort of like for all the people that didn't tell me that there was a new album out by the time and a new, right? Like all those things that you kind of, I don't know if you think I know everything. I don't know anything. I don't, you have to say, you, do you understand? You have to stop me and get me out of my little head and the monologue of hatred and bile that's swimming around in my brain. And you have to say, Dan, you have to like grab my face and look me on and go, Dan, you need to watch Breaking Bad. Just do it. Then you'll feel better. I will feel better. It won't be five seasons in where I'm watching Breaking Bad. But in seriously, like a week or two, I went through every episode on Netflix of Breaking Bad this summer. Now, honestly, I'll be right. I didn't watch every episode. I have a lot of dishes to do. I have laundry to fold. I have work to do. But if I was doing dishes or whatever, I would sometimes listen to it because I can put Netflix on my phone and the headset go up into my ear and I'm washing dishes and putting my dishes and folding along and breaking bad. But I just really, I don't, you know, listen, maybe it's because no one wants to be like, oh, I love this show about a guy that, that cooks meth. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you're having some sort of reticence about this subject matter and you don't want to be like, ah, I love this show. They're shooting and drugs. Oh, it's fantastic. Because the next person that asks me if I watch House, really, I'm going to kill myself. I don't want to watch House. I want to watch Breaking Bad or The Soprano, right? That That's where we are. I don't think this is a shock to you. Okay. <clears throat> Gotta rub my face now and not think about that fan sound. Don't think about it, Dan. Don't Just don't think about it. So what happened with that squirrel? Now, a squirrel died in our backyard. I'm going to try to get you caught up. There, there's a lot of catching up to do. There's no way in the next... 50 minutes that we're going to get caught up on what's been going on for the last month, month and a half. This is just not going to happen. I'm going to try to get you caught up a little bit and then we'll hopefully talk next week because this is absurd. This month thing is not right for anyone. So the one thing though is, so last time I said that there was this squirrel, I got to calm down too. I have to practice maybe doing these recordings I mean, when do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy it when I get all get myself all excited? Or should I calm? Should I try to be a, an emotionally stable human being and record these, like, try to be, like, nice? I'm going to try. Because I've been listening to these other podcasts, these co- these comedian podcasts. And this is how they are different. The comedians act really nice, and they um, have another comedian on, and then they, right? So the host of the show... Like, well, this is how stupid I am. I host my own podcast and I do all the talking. You know, the successful podcast, you know what they do? They do a little bit of talking and they probably make a lot of phone calls to famous people to have them come on the show. And that, I think, is when the tide really turned for me, when people stopped listening to podcasts where it was just one jackass in his garage or in his basement or in his spare bedroom or whatever talking to himself or talking to his wife. There was definitely a day where that there was a right and that was over. And then everybody was just like, I want to listen to celebrities talk and I and I will tolerate a podcaster, quote unquote, facilitating that talking. So everyone's just nice, nice, and you just get this. And it's really the same handful of famous people doing the same handful of really successful podcasts. And all these podcasts that I've been listening to, bar maybe none, 
because I don't listen to this one. And this is something that I don't do. And the reason I don't do it, but let me, they all start with five minutes of commercials. Now, when we first started doing podcasts, that part, part of the great appeal was that there were no ads. And then part of the appeal was, well, listening, we're start, listen, we're starting to get sponsors, but we're going to keep it to a minimum. So we'd be like, this show is sponsored by Dexter. Dexter kills people, but he's, but he's a blood splatter expert. Dexter on Showtime. And that was it. And then we would do our thing where we would talk to ourselves for an hour. Now, all these, and the only ones I've really been listening to are these comedy podcasts, right? And a I would say they all follow the same format, which is, hey, welcome to the show. Here's five minutes of commercials and then another three minutes of me talking about where I will be appearing next. So now we're about seven to ten minutes in and the show hasn't actually started. And I get I I would love to know if it's stamps.com or Audible or who it is that's kind of setting that agenda, setting that tone where they're saying to the, the podcasters, hey, listen. If we're going to give you this money, we want you to write pimp stamps.com right away. Even though people download the episodes and they listen to the whole thing, we want you to, and it's got to be at least two and a half minutes. Which, by the way, a normal radio, a commercial, 60 seconds. But seriously, 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 because I know you've been listening to other podcasts. I know. I can see it in your eye. I can see, I can see the way, the, I know you listen to other, that's fine, it's fine, I have no problem with that, but listen, how many of them just get right to the complaining like I do? Not that many, that's right. You know why? Because they're successful and they have bills to pay and I am sitting here in my garage with nothing. But oh yeah, I'd have average, hey listen, if I was interviewing Chris Rock right now, trust me, you would be sitting through a five minute explanation of stamps.com. And I'd be recommending some John Hodgman book on Audible. That's what would be happening if this was slightly palatable to the masses. I would actually be making some money and you would be listening to me tout, I don't even know who, GoDaddy? Go to GoDaddy with the promo code BETTERISPELL to receive $5 off your next domain registration. That's GoDaddy. GoDaddy's your daddy. Go. So the squirrel died. There was a squirrel antagonizing the dog, and then one day it was dead. And I don't know if there's some sort of masked avenger that was doing a favor for Hugo, our dog, and killed the thing and then just kind of laid it on display on the gravel in our backyard. I don't know what that was about. But I think I did tell you that I took the squirrel on my shovel and I put him out the back gate and I kind of covered them with some leaves and uh, a dusting of dirt. On the small area between the road that's back there, because there's a road back there, and the wall, the back, our back wall. Now, I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking, because, see, if you take an animal, I, I honestly think that part of me was thinking, that a dog or a coyote, some animal, somehow I would be relieved of this squirrel corpse. Because doesn't that make sense that you put a dead squirrel under a little bit of thing, the thing, blah, blah, blah. I thought for sure something would happen with this squirrel and that it wouldn't just lie back there and decompose for the last 
four or five weeks. And I didn't realize that I am so lazy and apparently grossed out by dead animals that I wouldn't just go back out there with my shovel and dig a real hole and put the squirrel in the real hole. Instead, what I did is I took it back out there. I took it out there and I just laid it down. And like I say, I put a few leaves over it, kind of back in the back where there I saw a few gopher holes. I assume they're gopher holes, right? Because I think moles are tiny and gophers are bigger, right? So, I've got something on my tongue. What's on my tongue? Stop it! Stop it, annoying tongue thing. So, I think, I think this is what happened. So, I took the squirrel out there. This is a dead squirrel I did not kill. I didn't want the neighbors to see me disposing of a dead squirrel body behind my wall. So, I didn't bury it. I didn't take the time to bury it. And our, our backyard is in a state now where, well, I guess I could have buried it in one of the flower, uh, you know, beds or whatever. That's just, I don't know, there's something about that. This doesn't sound right, right? Okay. So I take the squirrel out there, dusting of dirt. And I don't really think about it, but back there is, like I say, there are some gopher holes. But because I found this dead squirrel, now, right, I'm very aware of dead animals being in my backyard that Hugo, our dog, is going to find. Now, our dog Hugo is kind of an idiot, and he kind of doesn't, I don't know if he, I don't know what his story is. Sometimes he seems like he can smell everything. Sometimes he acts like he can see everything. Sometimes he acts like he can smell and see everything. Sometimes he acts like he can smell and see nothing. But whenever he goes out into the backyard and makes a beeline for something and then starts sniffing it, like really violently sniffing it, I know something's up. Like that's what happened with the squirrel, the dead squirrel. So maybe a week after the squirrel, and when did this become an animal show? About a week after the squirrel, I'm uh, going to make this short about the animals. Uh, Hugo goes out there and he starts violently sniffing something else. So I run up and I'm yelling at him to get away. Because I don't know what's dead now. Maybe it's a rat or a mouse, a possum. Who knows? This is disgusting. And he's sniffing at the edge of this kind of, I don't know, slate. I, I don't know, some stone thing back in the... Ours is a weird backyard where in the middle of the backyard we have a cement rectangle where we have a table and chairs and blah, blah, blah. And then I don't why it would be back there and not next to the house. I have no idea. I didn't design or build the house. Uh, right. It's probably been there since the 40s. But and then next to the cement is this other kind of stone little extender thingy. So on the edge of that, Hugo is sniffing a hole. It's a very clean, neat hole. And I go look at the hole and I think, oh, I wonder if that's, you know, a gopher hole. It looks like a gopher hole based on the gopher holes I saw back where the squirrel is, except back where the squirrel is is really super dry. It's like a desert back there. And where this hole is is where we water and grow grass. So it does kind of look different, but really it's only a color thing. It's probably a gopher hole. But I can't understand, because I am a stupid, why the dog is so excited to sniff this gopher hole. 
because you would think that there would be other things around to sniff that are better to sniff than the gopher hole. Until I realized that in the gopher hole is a gopher. And the and, and when I say in the gopher hole is a gopher, that's like, well, obviously, Dan, in the gopher hole. Somewhere there's a gopher. No, 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 no. No, 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 not in the gopher hole. Somewhere there's a gopher. Th th that is logic. Logic dictates that there's a gopher in the gopher hole. Yes, that's true, right? Like in the house, there is probably most likely somewhere in the house, either humans or the uh, evidence of humans. I'm saying in the gopher hole, there was a gopher right there. Now, one of the things I find irritating about possums, and I've said this a hundred million times because it's so true, it's because they won't run away. They, they seem to be reticent about the whole runaway thing. I don't know if they think that if they run away, it won't, right? They won't be able to sell the whole play dead thing, or they think that you're going to catch them anyway, or they just like are really that stubborn or what. I always translate it into being stubborn. I always assume that they're just being an a-hole. So this gopher is in the, like, is in basically within 10 seconds. And, and I'm standing there, a, a human. I'm standing inches from this hole. My dog is standing next to me. And this gopher is sticking its head out of the hole. It's right there. If I had had a screwdriver in my, do you understand? It was there and it just stood there. Sniffing. And I'm like, dog, what, what is happening? What universe are we living on where gophers will just stand there? And it just stood there and sniffed. Well, I'm holding the dog because the dog, you know, I don't know what the dog, the dog, I don't know. I don't know what the dog's story is. The dog wants to play with everything. And then there's this little line, this little emotional line that gets crossed. And then he tries to attack everything. So I don't really want the dog playing with a gopher or attacking a gopher. There is part of me that wants to impale the gopher on a screwdriver. Yes, that is true. That is true. If I'd had, there's something about it like just would have been kind of poetic if I'd had a nice old, like an old, one of those nice solid, maybe an old, uh, what brand does Sears sell? You know what I'm saying? A Sears, like one, maybe my dad bought when I was a kid and I somehow ended up with it. Like an old Sears flathead. Not, not even a, right? Not even a Phillips, just a nice old fashioned flathead right through the cranium. So eventually I just get frustrated and I yell at it and I maybe threw a piece of gravel at it or something and it ran away. So then I go and I take the dog in the house. And that requires me wiping the dog's feet because it's a dog and we try to keep the house clean and we don't do a great job of it. But that's part of the thing is I wipe the dog's feet. You don't want to know what else on this dog I wipe. Let's just let's just say I wipe the dog's feet and we're just going to leave it at that. I do not wipe its derriere. Uh, let's be clear that it, that does not happen. Uh, that will never happen. The dog will run away before I agreed to wipe its ass. 
I take the dog in. By the time I get back outside, the gopher is gone and the gopher has filled in the hole. It got the hint and it has literally filled in the hole and it's done a pretty nice job of it, I must say. So I pat down the top of the hole, right? Sort of like James Bond when he'd put a hair across the door so he knew if someone broke into his hotel room when he was gone, right? I, I pat the hole so it's flat so I know if he comes back out of there. The next day I go out there without the dog because again, I don't want the dog biting a gopher. I want this gopher to myself. I want to, right? I convince myself not to go out there with a screwdriver and I look and the hole is still in perfect tapped down James Bond eyelash condition. And a foot away from it is a new hole with a god gopher head sticking out of it. So I took video of the gopher in an effort to not try to kill it or dr- oh, that's right. I did try to drown it, though. Yeah, okay. I did forget that. That is true. That is true. I forgot about that. See, because when I was a kid, we had gophers. When I was a kid and we lived down in uh, Fountain Valley, California, wherever that was, uh, we would have gophers in our little backyard. And my dad, I thought, I just got in my head, my dad would uh, put water down there. So I got the hose. I admit, I, that's true. I forgot. I forgot the first day when we saw the thing. Yeah, I did. May, yeah, I put the hose down the hole. I admit it. I did do that. I did do that and it did not kill or in any way deter the gopher because two days later it showed up in a new hole and then I videotaped him. And then he covered up that hole and then he made another hole and then I had just about had it. And by that point, Melissa, my wife, is bringing rat poison home from work. She's like, yeah, Steve, my friend Steve from work, he had gophers. He said, use this. But because we have two children... And the children have been raised in the 21st century. The kids don't want us to poison or stab or dog attack the gophers. And I think maybe this is all my fault because I put a dead squirrel outside of their actual home and they thought that the stench was too much and had moved. So I ended up getting these pellets, these weird pellets that I guess are made out of castor oil or something that the gophers hate. I had to spread that, whatever. Anyway, so the moral of this story, though, really, really the moral of the story is a couple things. Either number one, A, one A, paragraph nine, do not put a squirrel corpse next to the home of an animal you don't want in your backyard. Because really all you're doing is pushing them into your backyard with decay stench. That's number one. Number two, if you want to kill animals that come into your thing, you can't talk to your kids about it. You have to just go and kill them. Now, again, I don't enjoy killing animals. I have never, I'm trying to think if I've ever actually successfully, no, I've never done it. I only want to do it. You realize that, right? That I only want to do it, that I only am. And it's not even that, like, I'm not a hunter or anything like that. Like, if I went into the woods, let's be very clear about this. If I were in the woods or in a field, so any, basically, if I was anywhere, honestly, but my own property, 
and I saw a gopher. My instinct would be to say, oh, look at the gopher. That's so cute. How cool. Hey, guys, how cool is it that we're seeing a gopher or a squirrel or honestly, in a way, even a possum? As much as I hate possums, I, if I were in the woods, or I would probably run away from a possum. That's a good point. But let's say we like squirrels in the woods. Awesome. Deer. I would never hurt a deer. We've seen turkey. Uh, we've seen coyotes. Fo- I've seen foxes, pheasants. I would never, 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 never. Never, never. It's only when I've been watering and seeding and having some guy mow and I've been pulling up weeds for a decade that I don't want to go for it right then. I want to get a screwdriver. That's all I'm saying. That's all. That's just whatever. Okay. Yeah. Should I talk about my breakdown? So I didn't really have a breakdown. What is a nervous breakdown? I was I I, I was once uh, so so where do you begin? Okay, so tonight I'm supposed to go to this thing that's the last night of this comedy open mic that's been going on for like twenty years, and I haven't gone obviously in fifteen years. But it's the last night and I might go. And I remember a couple of times ago when I told myself I was going to start doing stand-up again, I ran into this comedian who is fairly well known now, I guess, um, Jimby, Jimmy somebody. And I had known Jimmy somebody a little bit when I was doing stand-up and I went into this place and I was like, hey, Jimmy, how's it going? He's like, oh, I, uh, do I know you? I was like, yeah, yeah. Dan Class, we used to do that thing at the Creativity of the Bookstore. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, oh, sorry, man. You know what? I had a nervous breakdown five years ago. I don't, you know, whatever. Do you, do you lose your, what is a nervous break? Do you really lose your memory or is that just his, right? He doesn't remember me because he's a comedian and he's so, right? Do you understand what I mean? Anyway. So I don't know what a nervous break, so I don't think I had a nervous breakdown because I think I would know, right? Wouldn't you know? I think just basically I got insanely, well, here's what happened. So, um, my daughter, see, I can't remember what we've talked about and what we haven't talked about. My daughter, uh, was cast in another commercial for Dairy Queen. I think I told you that last time. Yeah. So my daughter, she hasn't really gone on that many many auditions, but her agent has been good at submitting her for things or whatever. I don't know. The way it's worked out, her audition to work ratio is very high. So she ended up doing this Dairy Queen commercial. And it was during the school year. And so um and so I had to take her to a wardrobe fitting on a Friday up in Beverly Hills. And because school was still in session, Hudson, my son, got stuck at school. And her fitting was something at like 3.30 or 4 o'clock or 4, I I forget. It was at some time where he wouldn't have been out of school yet. So I I must have had to take her out of school. And then I was going to get him after school, after the wardrobe fitting. So she and I, so, you know, like I say, I get her out of school and we drive up there and we do the wardrobe fitting and, and, you know, 
it's it's hard enough being an actor and sitting around those things and whatever, whatever. But when it's not even your job, when it's just your daughter's job, there's just something insanely boring about just sit, like sitting around and not even trying on clothes, just sitting there and being the chauffeur. But, you know, we, we met the young woman that was going to play her sister and we met the, uh, the woman that was going to play her mom. And it's an easy commercial for her because she doesn't really have to carry this one like she did the Honda commercial. So it was a pretty easy thing. But we sat there and sat there. And it was one of those, and I know this is complaining actor thing, but it's one of those where the people don't really introduce themselves. You're just yet another in a line of human props. So they didn't really, it was just kind of weird and very different the way they didn't kind of the director never kind of came in and introduced herself to the minors that would be acting in the commercial or their guardians. And we didn't really know when we were going to be shooting or where it was just the whole thing was weird, but the really weird, bad part about it was we were there forever. And I think at some point somebody's computer stopped working or the print, that's what it was. The printer, the printer stopped working. So what they did is they take all these pictures, digital pictures, and then they print them out and then they put them on a little board or something and then they show the director and then they choose what everybody's going to wear. And apparently this entire system can fall to the ground if the printer stops working, even though they have digital pictures and computers and smartphones and computers and iPads and iPads and computers. And you mean to tell, really, we're going to sit here for two hours while you guys try to jimmy jam the computer printer so you can print this crap on paper when you all, you've got to be kidding. So we're sitting there and just sitting there, sitting there and having way too much time to think, think about the fact that my daughter is having a very easy time of this whole actor thing. As far as getting work, doing the work, being cool about the work, being cool about not getting the work, she's just kind of going about her life in a very normal, insane manner where I tend to drive myself crazy about all this stuff. But the good thing is, I'm, but, I, but there she is and she's kind of decided she wants to do something and she's doing it and she's moving forward and she's got her dancing stuff that she's doing and she's doing really well at, she's working really hard at. And my son was just about to go, I think, to Washington, D.C. and graduate. He was going to go to a high school that he's really excited about. The school film festival that he founded was about to launch in a couple of weeks. Everybody's life was moving forward. But mine. My wife had just started a new job. She had left her old job, her old kind of temp job. What do you call that? Freelance job? And almost basically, essentially got offered two jobs on the same day out of the blue. So now she has a new full-time job. Unfortunately, it's far away. It's in Costa Mesa. So it's a good 40, 45 minute drive every day, each way. But again, everybody moving forward, everything moving but me. And there was just something about sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And then that 
took so long we were late to get Hudson. And I was really right because I always worried about money. I didn't want him to be at school after six because then I thought the school was going to charge me even extra, extra, extra for him to be there. And on a Friday afternoon, you can't get from Beverly Hills to Playa del Rey in no time. You can get there in a long time. You can get there in traffic, in a lot of traffic. Whether you take service streets or the freeway, doesn't really matter. It's going to be traffic. And so there was just something about trying to slug it, slug it, slug it, and, and accomplish this impossible thing. My biggest accomplish, accomplishment for the day was going to be getting to school by six. Not getting a new job. Not going to a new high school, not launching a film festival, not dancing in a recital. Driving from Beverly Hills to school by six. That was going to be my big accomplishment. But it was impossible. It wasn't set up to be accomplished. Because there's too much traffic that way and there's too much traffic that way. And I'm trying too hard and I can't do it. I can't get there. It's not working. And there was something about trying to slug through traffic that desperately that just beat me somehow. And I don't know what the combination of events was or feelings or you know, my lack of eating or some, it was just some really bad voodoo. So the kids and I get home and Melissa's home shortly after that. And I feel like I have to cry. I have to, right? That's the feeling. The feeling is, I don't know what's going on. But I think I have to cry now. And I don't know why, but I really do. And I think I am going to leave the house now. So I don't even remember what the exchange was with Melissa, but it was quickly agreed upon that I was leaving the house for a while. And she could tell how upset I was, and I couldn't talk to her about it, and I couldn't explain that I had to cry. There was something going on and it was happening. It was happening and it was going to happen. And so I got in the car and I drove and I didn't know where I was going to drive because I knew I probably needed to eat dinner and I needed to sit with my thoughts, maybe do some writing or maybe I don't even know what. But I ended up driving around the airport crying. And I don't mean around the airport, like when you go to the airport and you drive around the loop inside the airport, I mean drive around the air, like the exterior circumference, the greater circumference of the airport. Westchester Parkway to the beach, to El Segundo, Imperial Highway, that like around that. And then back into Westchester, past the Westchester sign. And it was because I was feeling stagnant, just completely stagnant. 
Like every, everything else and everyone else has always been moving forward. Everybody I know has been working hard and gotten promotions. Their lives have pressed on. Maybe mine has too, but I just can't see it. Because mine looks like it's always just the same shit all the time. Maybe a different animal in the backyard. Maybe a different area of the yard is dying. Maybe I finally caught up with the dishes, but now it's time to do laundry again. But really, honestly... Hollywood doesn't need me as an actor. Podcasting doesn't need me as a podcaster. I could stop acting and stop podcasting tomorrow, and guess what? Nothing would actually stop. Nothing. So what do you do? You drive around the airport trying to stop the tears and the pity, the self-pity. And try to figure out what it what is it, right? What is it that I've become aware of? It's that I need to stop talking and do, but I can't. Because there's so much to do. Because my job, there is no promotion. You don't get promoted from dad to executive dad to chief operating dad. I can't eventually, right, end up in the C-suite as the chief executive father. And that's a lot of what my work is. And my wife and I will have these big conversations. When did we have the last one? I can't even remember what it was about. It was, it was a while ago now, but just one of those like, Dan, you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that and blah, blah, blah. So we're like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start working more at this or I'm going to start working more at that. But I still have to do all the laundry. I'm still the, the right? I'm still, my mom's like, you've, she just gave me a big lecture the other day. She was so upset because I had to go somewhere instead of somewhere coming to me, to some person, right? You've got to start managing your time better. You've got to start, right? You've got to start thinking of your time like a working person. You, your time is valuable. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, gosh. And then she says, oh, by the way, uh, I need a new toothbrush. Uh-huh. So, you know, next time you're near a drugstore, if you could pick me up a toothbrush, that that would be great. Uh-huh. Okay. So she invited our friends over. Now we had some friends over two weeks ago, and then we've got more friends coming over this weekend, this Saturday. And I like our friends. That's why we're friends. We're friends because I like them, and they like us, I think. We get along for the most part, right? Well, no, not for the most part. We get along very well. The problem is I don't want them coming here to our house. Because when they come here, what that means is I have to clean up the house and straighten up this and straighten up that. So so Melissa says, oh, yeah, in a couple of weeks, um, such and such and so and so and the kids are coming over. Well, as soon as my wife says that, I have to start then seeing the house through the eyes of someone who doesn't live here. Right. I have to start looking at the house through the eyes of a guest and those eyes see all the crap that we have not done. We have these wood gates, 
that get filthy because we live under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. There's oily jet fuel all over these gates. And Melissa says she wants to hang a light here and she wants to hang a light here and hang a light here and hang a light here. So I spend two. That's where I've been, you know. I have been getting ready for people to come visit for two weeks. At least two weeks of that. And then I'll tell you what the other week or two was. So for two weeks, so since we spoke, the last two weeks, the four weeks have been intermittently that. Partly getting ready for people to come over and then partly trying to get work. Like uh, design work, writing work, the the podcasting, that, that kind of work. So for our friends to come over and to be here from about 4 p.m. to 11 p.m., how many hours is that? Not many. I can't even count it. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, it's seven hours. But for them to come over for seven hours, I have to do all of the work that we have been putting off for a year and a half. I spent four days solid scrubbing gates, scrubbing gates. I... I'm dressed, I'm, I did, I looked like Walter White because I had on like a mask and gloves. I've got this bleach based demolding cleanser thing that I get at Home Depot and those sponges that have a scrubby on one side and I'm scrubbing the gates. Scrubbing, scrubbing, scrubbing for days, scrubbing these gates. Thank God there's a Seth Harwood. Because Seth Harwood, you know, writer, crime writer Seth Harwood, I would just, I listened to the entire Jack Wakes Up series, scrubbing the gates, scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing, scrubbing them, rinsing them, and then they have to dry. And then you have to put the the stuff that you've scrubbed, because you've scrubbed everything off now. Then you have to re, what do you call it, them, Uh, re-stain, re-finish, re-whatever, whatever. I'll show you, go to the website. I will show you, I will put a picture, a before and after picture of one of the gates, the double gate. And and the after isn't even after the stain. That's just after cleaning it. It's insane. And then in two or three days, whatever, some other friends are coming over. I've got to put a heat lamp together. We've got to hang some other lights. It's going to be like Disneyland out here. Like working class Disneyland. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're coming over. So now today I have to put up a heat lamp, put together a heat lamp, put up the light. I mean, it's, it's what, for seven hours? And then it's just us again. And meanwhile, I don't feel like I'm getting anything done. Now, that's only exacerbated by putting together estimates. Now, if you are a freelance person, you know what I mean. Now, if you're not a freelance person, you're very lucky because you maybe you probably have a normal job. And the thing with a normal job is you go for an interview and they like you and you, uh, you know, are interested in taking the job and they tell you how much it pays. And you figure out about how much that's going to be a week and a month or whatever, how you, however you wrap your head around it and you either say yes or no. And then that's it. And then you just have to work. And as you're working, you know you're earning your pay because you're working. You're at work and you're getting paid. And every week or two, you get your check and that's it. For freelancy people or for independent contractors or whatever, however, you, you know, a, con- a, a potential client will contact you and say, hey, I'd love it if you could uh, do this 
thing. How much would you charge for that thing? And you say, well, how big is that thing? And they say, oh, well, I can send you something. And then let, and let me know. So, so there's, there's this couple that we know from school. Angie. Angie and her husband, Marco. So Angie, Mar- Marco had this idea for this website to help retailers. Okay. It's a great idea and it uses his personality. He's a very funny guy, whatever, whatever. And so it's this video course for retailers on helping them with their business and customer relations and all this stuff. And it's really a great, don't get me wrong. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. So Angie, his wife knows that I've, you know, written podcast solutions, written the book. and I blah, blah, blah. So, that, so she says to me at the end of the school year, Hey, Dan, you know, uh, I might, need your help writing the website for our thing. Great. So I say, well, let's talk. She says, yes, that's great. So she writes me an email or maybe we talk on the phone or whatever. Okay, great. Well, I want you to help us write this website and I'm going to send you some stuff. And I, I want you to give me an estimate right away. And I say, how soon is right away? Right away. Okay. So she sends me the thing and it's a big website. And so I'm like, "Ah, okay, so I got to, I got to estimate out this whole thing. This is going to be, wow, this is going to be hours of work just estimating this thing because you don't want to just look at it and go, well, it's going to be about five hours and then it ends up being 25 hours or 50 hours. You, you. You want to be realistic about the whole thing. Otherwise, you are going to get screwed. They're not going to get screwed. Because if you overestimate the thing and they'll look at the price and they'll be like, we're not paying that. Because honestly, no matter how big the project is, they have an idea of what they want to pay. That's probably based on who knows what. Pulling a number out of their tushy. And... So your job is to estimate it, but it has to, then the estimate has to be below that number. So I look at the thing and I'm like, I, I mean, and it was the end of the school year and somebody else was asking me for an estimate at the same exact moment, of course. So I say to her in an email, Hey, I got an idea. Instead of me going through all this with a fine tooth comb, because we're, you know, we're friends. You tell me, because she said she had other bids. You tell me what your lowest bid is and I'll match it. And then let's just get this thing going because I really want to do Marco's thing. And in the email were maybe some other things. So she writes me back and she answers all the other things and says, please get me an estimate as soon as possible. So I start looking over the stuff again and I start making these lists. I got to break this whole thing down and whole thing apart and really try to guess how many pages it really is like written pages and how many hours that's going to be to go back and forth and really try to get a realistic sense of what this is going to take. And after a certain point, I just start to get pissed off because I know I can feel that I'm wasting a lot of time and she's really anxious to get something going. So among some other questions in an email or a phone call, I say, blah, 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 blah. And now listen, hey, Angie, let's do this. Estimating this thing is so complicated. Why don't we do this? Let's just pick a part of the thing 
and I'll estimate just that part and we'll do just that part, but then I can compare my estimation to what it really took and that'll give me a much better sense of how to estimate out the rest of the job. That way we can get started. And plus, then you can see what I'm putting out. And if you like it or don't like it, we can, right, we can adjust or you can fire my ass or whatever. But let's just start with this little part. And then after that, then we'll move on. And her answer to that was, well, here's the answer to question number one. And here's the answer to question number two. And here's the answer to question number three. And yes, I think we should uh, probably start with the, uh, the email response part. Yes. So get me that estimate as soon as possible. So at this point, I've about had it. Now, partly it's my own fault for not just getting on the phone with her. But you know what? I am busy. And in all honesty, I'm trying to make sure that I'm being as clear as possible and that I have whatever I say in writing and whatever she says in writing. Because all these phone calls from Angie, they don't sound like fun, I'm your friend Angie anymore. They sound like business person Angie, which I get, but it's more business person Angie than business person like someone I only know through business. Do you, know, you know what I mean? Like people that you know through business, they know you know them through business. So they don't have to prove that they know you from business and that they're a business person. You know them, they're in business. They're in business, you're in business, you're in business together, you're business. And then you can be casual with each other. But Angie is being businesslike with me, I think because she knows that we don't know each other from business. We know each other from kids. So she's being very, yes, hello, Dan. And yes, and if you could get me that right away, that would be great. Thank you so much. Bye. And I'm starting to just get chapped. Because I've already said I would do it for the lowest number anyone else has given you. And you said you got estimates. And then I said, listen, this is a lot of work for me. And you're in a hurry. So let's do this. And you've ignored both of those. So you know what? Fine. I'm going to give you an estimate. Because you've been busting my balls for this estimate now for days and days and days. And I've made it clear how busy I am. And I've made it clear that you could make this easier on me. And you haven't, Angie. So fine. Here's my estimate. And I sat down and I broke down the whole project as best I could. And I put a dollar amount to it per hour. Which was actually not as much as I wanted to put. But it wasn't probably as little as she thought she was getting on the friend discount. Guess what? The friend discount is over. The friend, like super friend discount, right? The super friend discount was when I said, let's do it for the lowest bid. The super friend discount was still when I said, let's just do a part of it and that'll help me estimate. Super friend is over. Now, this is just sort of like reasonable number. This is the number I give you when I know you're a small business or sole proprietor. This is, right? It sure as hell not the number I would give to IBM. But it's not super friend number. No, you we're done with super friend number because you keep avoiding the questions that I'm asking that pertain to making my life easier. And every correspondence with her ended with, get the, if you could just get that to me ASAP, thank you. If you could just get that to me as soon as possible, I really need those numbers. I really need those numbers. So I gave her the number. And you know what she said? Nothing. Nothing. Angie said nothing. She never wrote me back. 
She has not called me back. She has done nothing. After all of that. Now listen, I don't need her to hire me to do it. I really don't. That isn't the point. That isn't the point. The point is nothing. Not even I got it. Not even I got it. Thanks. Not even I got it. Thanks. Marco and I were talking and that's a little high. We're going to have to do it ourselves. But thanks so much. But I mean, there are a hundred responses, a thousand, a million an infinite number of responses that I would prefer to nothing. Nothing. All right, I got to go. I gotta go, I gotta go. Let's write down. Okay, I gotta go. It's the, this is the bitterest pill, I gotta go. I hope I wasn't too depressing. I've gotta go. Uh, my son is doing rock camp again. And um, I have to go pick him up. In fact, I'm a little late to get going on that. Oopsie. Uh, they are practicing, hate to say I told you so, by the hives. And shine on you crazy diamond by Pink Floyd. Talk about two ends of some sort of spectrum, right? Anyway, listen, thank you for listening to the Bitter's Pill Summer Subtacular. Uh, uh, you know, we'll we'll speak again probably next week for sure. I need to... Um, oh my God, yeah, there's so much. In fact, I was going to... I was going to tell you about the actual Dairy Queen shoot. We talked about my little crime jag. So we're gonna, next time, I guess we'll talk about Dairy Queen, graduations, not the estimates... Uh, I may be in a movie called North Star. Have we talked about that at all? Squirrels, Gophers, and Gates, we've talked about. We're going to talk about working out at the YMCA and um, how I think it's where perverts go to show their penises to people in the locker room. Rock camp. Yep, okay, good. All right, well, listen, I really got to go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm going to be so late. Okay, listen, I really do appreciate you uh, listening to The Pill. Sorry that it's been so long. I hope to talk to you again soon. Please drop me a line at pill at danclass.com because I miss you. And, um, you know, or tag me on Facebook or whatever. That's that's always a good thing. Uh, and, um, yeah, I wish we could hang out longer, but I really got to go. Okay, I'll talk soon. Bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media. Makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 